0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Transform Your Confidence show. This is a show about holistic leadership and advocacy, and I'm your host, Raj Gurn. Here's a bit about me. I'm a longtime serial entrepreneur who specializes in mindset, branding, media, communications and marketing, and I firmly believe that great leadership and advocacy is predicated on the mission that everyone must benefit across the entire food chain. I'm an award-winning C-suite entrepreneur who has worked in the media and event space for the past 20 years with many Fortune 500, celebrity, and thought leader clients from around the world. At this point in my life, I seek to share my many insights and resources with anyone who wants to learn about holistic leadership and advocacy in a newly launched online community at the openchestconfidenceacademy.com where I've mandated my entire organization to provide products and services that center around knowledge, action, and accountability. My goal with this show is to pull back the curtain, I mean way back, to bring you insider knowledge and resources on how today's change makers are leading with intention and creating meaningful environments that serve everyone. I also want to help you reimagine what your life could be if you had a constant view from the top of the mountain. I believe that in order to get there and stay there, you need to learn from those who have a constant and unobstructed view of Nirvana. These are not just the usual suspects, but the ones that sit in the middle of the volcano as the lava explodes to the top of the mountain. They are the crazy ones who change the world, and they are the ones that I want you to meet. Are you ready? Let's go. Hi, guys! Thanks for tuning in to another exciting episode of the Transform Your Confidence Show. Today's show is a little bit extra special for me because I'm unpacking the leadership ideology of one of today's most experientially diverse and highly qualified media leaders who also happens to be a woman. Now, I'm not saying that it's rare for a woman to be highly qualified. What I'm saying is that it's rare for women to be in such high positions as she has been where she continues to carve out a path for women to follow in her footsteps. She is currently the head of Shaping the Future of Media at the World Economic Forum, and her name is Kirsten Stewart. I have long admired Kirsten, actually, ever since 2006, when she came on my radar as the head of the Canadian Broadcast Corporation, where she is credited to have revived the broadcaster's relevancy with consumers with shows like Dragon's Den, Murdoch Mysteries, and Schitt's Creek. Following this role, she held the position of Vice President of Media for Twitter North America after heading up a successful launch of Canada's Twitter office in Toronto. Prior to the CBC, she headed up Canada's HGTV and Food Network, managing 37 international channels. As such, she is perfectly poised to give insights on this week's theme of leadership and advocacy, where the two-part series is entitled, Why We Need More Holistic Leadership in Media. We deep dive leadership culture and how to best utilize the power of media today, both of which are a mandatory requirement for executive and entrepreneurs looking to create deeper connections with their workforce and consumer base, both online and off. Here's what we talk about in part one of our conversation. What is leadership today and does it mean being a boss? Which leadership style best fits the virtual world that we live in today? How do we lead in a multi-generational workforce culture where there are different value systems to consider? And how does the gig economy factor into the complexity of leadership advocacy today? Please welcome to part one of the show, the incredible Kirsten Stewart. Kirsten, welcome to the show. I'm such a huge fan, having followed your journey from Twitter to now the World Economic Forum. And before that for the longest time at CBC, and you just made so many wonderful things happen there and just changed the game for a lot of what television was about during those times. I want you to know something. I have reserved having this conversation specifically with you because the fact that you've held leadership positions in old and new media, in tech, and are now at the intersection of both as the head of shaping the future of media at the World Economic Forum, I just, I couldn't think of a more experientially qualified person to have this conversation with. And the fact that you're a woman just adds a whole other dimension to the conversation. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I just, I can't wait to just dive into this with you. No, I can't
1: wait too. And I've been looking forward to having the conversation with you too, Raj, with everything you've done and you've built.
0: It's been amazing what you've been able to do in this new space. So Um, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Thank you so much. That's just like this is a Madonna moment for me, by the way, like folks, um, you guys know that I have, um, a number of people that I talk about that I think are incredible people just because the things they've done have just been, you know, for me, you know, rockstar moments. So Kirsten is one of those for me. She's like my Madonna. So I just want to put it out there before we begin. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, folks. So why we need a more holistic leadership in media today is such a big topic, especially considering how leadership and media are both separately going through extensive disruption brought on by technology, social diversification, and a multi-generational workforce amongst a plethora of other things. I feel that in order to do justice to this topic in the time that we have, I want to kind of take us on a high level step by step journey of the need to knows because very few people are educated on leadership or media for that matter, thus poorly equipped to know how to create strategy around both of these to benefit professional growth. My goal by the end of the show is to arm everyone watching, listening, or reading this to have a foundational understanding of what leadership is, what media is, how they intersect in today's business and entrepreneurial arena, and what needs to be done to reimagine the institutions and associated infrastructures that are still live today, that we live in, created 150 years ago, during the Industrial Revolution, very little has changed. And really, what's happening here is that the gap just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. What we need versus what we have are two very different things. Huge, huge discussion. I want to tackle it by hitting up the leadership part first, Kirsten. Sure. What is leadership? I mean, your definition based on the things that you've experienced and, you know, your career has really, you know, it's kind of been on this journey as these disruptions have been happening. So I'd love to know all the various touch points that you've been through. What would be a definition of leadership for you based on your experience? Well, I find,
1: and, and I'm sure, you know, we've all had our own journeys, our own careers, our own experiences through our work life. And I think, you know, sometimes we confuse the term leadership for boss. Uh, and a lot of people get obsessed with being the boss and what that means and what that entails and certain entitlements, literally, uh, to being a boss where they don't really understand or appreciate the... The obligation, the responsibility and the benefits and, and the, the privilege of leadership, uh, and how you can step up. And to me, leadership isn't about, you know, as it has been portrayed in, in previous generations, you know, some, you know, old, Usually white, straight male sitting in a corner office, uh, dictating, you know, their version of what they believe to be the reality or the best way forward for their business. Um, and kind of, you know, sending out their orders from the corner office. Uh, instead, you know, business moves so quickly today. There are so many inputs there. Uh, you know, data flies around at a, a speed of the of light speed. Uh, and, you know, in order to really understand, you know, the, the, the best aspects of leadership, I think one has to kind of set, you know, the ego of being a boss aside and understand that leadership is about empowering others. Mm-hmm. Leadership is about providing others with the tools to be able to do their best work. Uh, And really, you know, after doing that, after finding the right team, after, you know, making sure that they're in the roles that uh, satisfy them best, where their skills align with what their goals and objectives are, uh, giving them the tools that they need is literally a matter of getting out of the way. Uh, because if you've done that job right, then you actually, you know, everything moves forward. And I think once you provide the vision, once you provide the kind of overall sense of where everyone needs to row their boat to, mm-hmm. uh, you give them that boat, give them the oars and let them go. And I think that's something that as you know, I've worked my way up through my career, I have been you know, in the in the lowest entry level position in a in a company when I first got out of school, worked my way up. I know what it's like to have different kinds of bosses. I know what it's like to live under different kinds of leadership, and I know what motivates me. And I saw what motivates my colleagues around me. And I think it is that empowerment. It's that ability for a leader to, to inspire, to give you a vision that you can believe in and that you can get behind, and then give you the tools and give you the the freedom to go and do it.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting because every time I talk to a woman that's in a position of leadership and a woman that's literally started from the bottom and worked their way up, um, they always come at this at a different way than people who are kind of built for leadership, you know, people who come out of programs. And they know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so from, from that perspective, um, you know, that there are so many schools of leadership style out there, right? Um, with all of the variables that are happening, you know, I prefaced some of the disruptions that are happening right now. Um, some of the changes that we're facing in corporate infrastructure in terms of, you know, for one of the many examples. Um, is that we're faced with kind of this whole social responsibility component. We're mm-hmm. also faced with multi generational workforce, which wasn't the case when you go back a couple of generations because people would stay in jobs for a long time. And it was kind of a different dynamic of why we were working versus, you know, what a lot of the Zoomer and the, you know, younger generations are looking for is a very different idea of wanting a job and what that means to them and their value system, um, based on, you know, some of the things that, it's funny, you know, the the point that I wanted to make here, and it's a conversation I had with someone else, Kirsten, is that when you look at kind of the Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs, right, um, mm-hmm. I put my, you know, I put my parents, you know, in that kind of lower area where the, even with all the success that they had and even with all that they accomplished over the years they never kind of ever got out of that area of you know the survival the need to always hold on to money and 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 survive right they never got out of that mentality and then you know people like myself who are gen x right we kind of sit in that middle area and um and it's interesting because we have kind of that that, that conditioning of the survival. So we want to kind of hold on to the money, but we also have a whole other idea of, you know, what could we do with this money that could, you know, potentially do more for us, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and do more for others. And then we've got my son's generation where they literally are starting at the top. They are sitting at the top of the totem pole and they feel privilege and they, and, and they feel their value, their value system sits them right up there you know, in terms of even though it's an entry level for them. So with all that said, my question for you here is there are so many schools of leadership style. How can someone know which to dial into? Like it's a very confusing, you know, labyrinth right now with everything that's happening, the old, the new, everything. Yeah. Well, And I think you're right, Raj. I think you point out from, you know, from what you just
1: described as as your kind of vision for what we've been going through generationally. And now, you know, you add on top of that, all of the uh, opportunity and access. Like it's, it's, you know, I think every generation wants what's better for the generation after them. Like your parents wanted you to have a better life and you want your, your son and daughters to have better lives than, than what we are having. Uh, and, you know, we do things in order to make that happen and like we enable that through, you know, the way that we support them, but also the way that, you know, the world changes. And I think, you know, I, I talk about how it's it's been interesting that, you know, I am a Gen Xer as well. And, you know, as a leader, as somebody who's kind of in that in-between generation, uh it's it's kind of nice to sit in both worlds because i do think we understand i think we are good translators for what it's like to be in the in the more traditional sense of what you know what work life balance looks like what that what that value exchange is mm-hmm. to what is expected today in mean, a very kind of fast paced you know instant access um that you know but yet somehow not connected to you know success is not defined uh, in the same way that it was in the previous generations and so i think we as the the middle generation have kind of enabled that bridge between the two um and i think we benefit you know there's a lot of times when as uh, when i was starting out as a leader or uh, you know at and at work uh, a lot of folks would see the next generation coming in as being you know somewhat too entitled somewhat um, you know, they, they weren't; they didn't have the work ethic that we maybe had uh, in the mm-hmm. past. And I think, you know, when you talk about leadership style and having to adjust generationally to how people work and how people value things, you know, you're only going to be able to motivate them if you tap into what that would, that they value. And so understanding what motivates that next generation, I think is incredibly important. And I think we sometimes used to put up barriers to understanding that we used to say, that they're not working hard enough, that they come in entitled. How to, how on earth, you know, all you could hear about was complaints about how to manage this new generation coming in. Right. And I take, I take a step back now and I say, actually, I'm very grateful for that generation coming in because we were the generation that felt that work life balance didn't exist. Um, that it was all about, you know, putting your nose to the grindstone, um, giving up. You know, there was no, there was no sense of division between, uh, between life and work. Um, you know, the, the new generation coming in has demanded a certain kind of relationship with their, with their workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not based necessarily on money or title. It's based on how they feel that their impact has been. And what is their influence? What is their agency? How did they have, how did they have control over their, their day to day lives? And I think as leaders, uh, you, you know, those original schools of thought around, you know, one form of leadership over another, we've ha- we're having to reinvent an entirely new form of leadership, building on those things that we've known in the past about how generally human nature works. Mm-hmm. But this new generation coming in has really, you know, changed the game to how work life interaction behaves, and how people value what that exchange looks like. And so in order to get the best out of our of our teams today in order to get the best, you know, in order to, in order to feel like that we're contributing in the way that matters. It's a matter of making sure that they feel the impact that they can, that they can give on a day-to-day basis. And so that really flips, it flips the way that you can lead because it's not about telling someone what to do. It's about asking them what they want to do and figuring out with their skill set where do they best fit and how can you empower them to do their best work?
0: You know that's so insightful because it's kind of like that inverted pyramid ideology mm-hmm. right where the CEO sits at the bottom and yeah, your yeah. workforce sits at the top and we direct things in a very different manner so you obviously came from the other as did I with the pyramid that's the right way up how how are you motivating this kind of whole other generation that wasn't motivated the way you and I were like how how are you doing that
1: i think it's i think it's a lot of putting yourself in their shoes like i think you know we see sometimes all of the shiny um you know things that they have um as you know as benefits that we've maybe earned in order to get them um you know the the fact that you know the, the fact that they have you know access to all this digital um uh, appliances infrastructure whatever you want to call it Uh, You know, we were the ones that kind of worked to get to get that in their hands because we Mm -hmm. thought it was to their benefit. And it is. And I think sometimes we get too too fixated on what they have instead of recognizing where their unique challenges are. Because yes, there is never more abundance, never more access to things today as there have been in any generation before. But there has also never been more challenge and more kind of frustration and more danger in a lot of ways too. So I think, you know, we have to put ourselves in a position to understand that things are all not, these are not all rosy for this next generation. You're talking about a generation of, of folks who are working day to day at jobs that you know, could go, disappear in a moment's notice. We're looking at the gig economy. We're looking at, you know, the 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 the, the social contract has changed between a worker and a and a and a place of work um, where you had lifelong jobs. You no longer. You might not even have a, a permanent job, a full time job in any respect at all. So, right, it's there's a lot of access and opportunity for this next generation, but there's a lot of risk for them. And I think sometimes it's our responsibility to understand what the risks are and try to help them through those risks and and mitigate them whatever way we can.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, you brought up a really great um, point there, um, Kirsten, something that a lot of people maybe don't think about so much, especially those of us who come from, you know, the more senior, um, you know, age groups. And that is this whole idea of, you know, leadership within an ecosystem, right? I mean, we used to look at, And and this goes back to kind of the way that we've been trained and the way that our world and the infrastructure of society has been created. It's been created on the Industrial Revolution. And since then, there hasn't been enough of a change to allow us to be able to say that this infrastructure actually fits where the world's going today and what the value system is that we're attaching to our lives, both personally and professionally. So I wanna ask you this question, what impact can good leadership have on an ecosystem rather than just a company? Because that's what you're talking about here.
1: Because there is collaboration now, right? Like, I think leadership is, again, we really associated it formerly with the title boss. But leadership ultimately is a a mindset. It's a way of behaving and you can Mm -hmm. be a leader. And I I love to remind people of this because there's a lot of times that as an individual with your own career path, you can feel frustrated or blocked because you might not see that next step or might not, that next step might be available to you. And you feel like unless you have the title or that role, you're not a leader. Mm -hmm. And yet there's so many opportunities now to lead at different levels that you can be, you know, yes, you can be the leader of, of, you know, captain of industry, you can be the leader, you can be the boss of a business, you can also be a leader where you are. And I think, as you said, you know, creating that ecosystem is to empower people at different levels, to have agency to make decisions around, you know, what they have under their control. Um, We talk about, you know, this, this kind of Industrial revolution, the digital revolution has been one that's really put information and power into the hands of the individual. And that individual sits at every level. And so if you have the capacity to turn on that knowledge, to turn on, you know, the information access, then you've got the, and you've got the wherewithal and the sparks to actually turn that into something actionable you can lead at any level. And so that building that ecosystem is building connectivity, building mm-hmm. relationships with others, building the sense of community and belonging so that you're all kind of working towards a, a, a common purpose or a common goal, or at least finding people who want to share that common goal with you. And therefore, you know, then you can move the needle so much faster. It's about, you know, it's about individuality, definitely, because now as individuals, we've never had so much power. Uh, there's more power in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a cell phone than there were in rooms and rooms of computers. Back in the day, but right. at, but now you know with all that power and harnessing it and actually putting it towards something good means you need to to bias to collaboration. How do you then work together for what is, what is a common value? Where do you feel fulfilled? It's beyond your paycheck. It's beyond your role day to day. It's what was your impact at the end of the day? It's it's not you know the sales numbers you achieved. It's not you know the, the medals that you were awarded. It's how did you make a positive impact on the world? And I think people very much associate success with that now instead of the numbers or the, or the bottom line. And that's, and that's that's a great thing.
0: Absolutely. You know, it, it brings um, something to my mind, um, Kirsten, is, um, you know, the underlying denominator in your career um, trajectory has been that you've been in the quote-unquote communications industry, right? Um, mm-hmm. Does that have, do you feel that gave you a leg up in understanding that you, you just finished saying that connectivity is the key here? Like, I'd love yeah. your uh, feedback on that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's
1: funny, because when I went to university, I thought I would come out
0: being in publishing,
1: because I have the very, um, very specific, maybe very useless degree in theory and criticism of English literature, which, you know, to me was something that, you know, was incredibly inspiring. I was very passionate about it. And I learned, I wanted to learn everything about um English literature criticism made a lot of sense at the time, but then I looked at the real world and thought, well, what can I do with this degree? I'll go into publishing, and mm-hmm. then suddenly, you know, at the time, publishing was something that kind of was not not the fertile uh, job industry that I thought it was going to be. It was a, a time at which it kind of the bottom had collapsed in in the market when I graduated. So, you know, looking at you know what what are the what are the tenets of what I learned? Like, what are the basics of what I understand through storytelling? Uh, through communication, through being able to um, uh, connect and identify and communicate in a way that you know, co- expresses kind of collective goals and, and, and aspirations. And, and I think that connectivity and that ability to be able to um, tell a story, but tell a story that's not necessarily yours and understand other stories, I think has been incredibly valuable to me as I've moved through my career.
0: Mhm. I think that uh, you know that also is a testament to some of the shows like the groundbreaking shows that you brought on to CBC that really changed the game for that entire media house and also for you know the idea of you know what TV should be like the representation right. piece mm-hmm. uh, it's, it, you know i i really feel that i mean i've been following you for a long time i'm such a super fan as as i keep mentioning um and and the reason is is that i've, I've seen that what you know the things that you've done as you've been on your journey um have created impact and i feel that that's the point that i want to make sure everyone gets out of this conversation with us today is you know you mentioned that you know people have this idea of leadership being that they need to be a boss. And then there's someone like you who has this idea that leadership is about making a difference, you know, changing something, connecting to something that's larger than the, you know, the the, the title um, Mm -hmm. or the role that you think that this needs to be and actually become a leader that makes a difference. I've seen that with you. I mean, I don't know if that was something that was conscious with you or, or if it was more of a subconscious part of your DNA. Um, but I, I just wanted to tell you that this is kind of something that I've seen along your journey. I don't know if you want to comment on that at all.
1: Sure. Well, I, I think ultimately, again, we're all human beings in the world. And, you know, you can, I think it's a matter of what is your set of values as you enter the world and, and what you do on a day to day basis, you know, what you want right. to take away from it. And it's also how you want to be treated too. Like ultimately, as I said, I've had actually The great um, privilege of rising up through a, through a business, through an industry, working job to job, kind of understanding what it's like to be at different levels, different fields. Um, and I think that's, that's a huge benefit because I've learned what it's like to be treated. Um, mm-hmm. As somebody who's part of a team um by others who are who are trying to lead, and I think you know that that kind of lesson you learn as I always say, you know you learn as much from the good bosses as you do from the bad bosses mm-hmm. um and that's sometimes surprising to people, but uh you know it's those it's the the good bosses that stay with you uh and you think about what motivates you in your time with them, and it goes beyond their incredible smarts or their uh, their, their ambition, it actually goes to how they made you feel. Did they make you feel empowered? Did they make you feel like you actually made a difference and that you contributed as well? And I think in knowing that that's what motivated me, I presume yeah. that's what would motivate others. And so, you know, in doing that, um, and taking step by step and finding that every time I was to step forward and Enable others to do great work. You know, that's what I figured my job was. Like, I think the CBC is a great example, Raj. You mentioned, Mm -hmm. you know, when I came into the CBC, it was at its lowest rated ever. Uh, And I think there was an expectation that me as the new kid coming in, I was going to bring a whole new team of talent that was going to, you know, wipe out the old and bring in the new. Mm -hmm. And to bring in the new, you don't necessarily need to. You switch out the talent that's that's around you. Actually, there was a huge amount, a huge depth of talent that was already there that just needed to be given the keys. Just needed to be given a bit of hope and a little bit of vision around what was possible, and given the given the support to do so. And and then I think that was my biggest lesson of leadership was in that role in learning that. You know, it wasn't a matter of starting from scratch and building what, you know, as a, as a, as a boss, you're told you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, as a leader, I think you understand you have a responsibility again to do something, you know, that might be a little more difficult. Um, but I, in the end, it's such a great investment because look what's happened. Like the, the, the CBC completely turned around, continues to keep turning around, um, in the time after I've been gone. And, and, I, and I think it has to do with the fact that there's a group of people there who are empowered to do good work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, that's the best testament. Like that's to me, the, the best kind of, um, reward.
0: Absolutely. Is to be able to leave a leadership culture as a legacy is just incredible. So let me ask you this, cause you kind of touched upon it and, but we didn't really go into it. What impact can bad leadership have on, um, so many things, but let's, let's kind of keep it in the company morale space since a lot of what you've talked about has been based on, you know, connectivity and empowering of people. So company morale is, is, is a huge part of that style of leadership. So let me just let me ask you again, what impact can bad leadership have on company morale?
1: It's obviously it's it's directly connected. And I think, you know, everything does start from the top. And even though, you know, there have been great examples of companies that can thrive even under, you know, questionable leadership or tough leaders, you know, everyone has heard, you know, there's there's things out there um, of usually, um successful companies that have not necessarily been the most uh, empathetic or or sympathetic uh, leaders. Um, but I think it's the, you know, again, it's the impact and the legacy they leave behind. I think that is probably more proof point to, you know, the, the true value of their success. You know, mm-hmm. the bottom line might look good, but in the end, you know, what, what are they really leaving in terms of generational change and, mm-hmm. and growth? Um, I think, you know, the, 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 the sad thing about bad leadership. Um, and I felt it when I was being badly led. <laughs> and I'm sure yes. all of us have felt that way is the is the is the opportunity cost. Mm Uh you know, if you are in a position, uh and I get this you know question a lot because there's not necessarily the upward movement that there was in the past. Uh there was this sense of if you if you do your time in a role you're gonna get get to the you're gonna get your promotion, you're gonna move to the next role. You know, that that, you know, with the gig economy, with everything that has changed in the way that we work, that tradition is not necessarily there anymore. So you end up with a lot of frustration and mm-hmm. a lot of it down to unfortunately bad management and not understanding how to prepare and empower again people to do their best work in the role that they have and kind of building this expectation that you have to have the next role in order to feel satisfied. So giving people the, the um, leeway or the kind of grace to say, you know, I can be happy where I am as long as I'm doing good work you know, that, that comes down to a, a leader letting somebody do that. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think the opportunity cost of not letting your teams fire on all cylinders and in some ways keeping them down or not optimizing them or or just, you know, letting it go to waste is such a sad thing. And I think that's, you know, the, the most dangerous part of bad leadership is You know, bad morale leads to bad efficiency and all those things as we know. But what a opportunity lost if you don't take advantage of a fantastic team that's under you, built around you. You know, that's, that's, that would be the sad part.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for staying till the end, guys. I really hope you enjoyed the show and will action the many insights that were shared some of which are a part of a larger discussion about how fractured our current infrastructure is because it hasn't seen the same rate of evolution that digitization, social and ethical responsibility, and multi-generational workforce values are demanding. If you haven't already done so, an excellent example of exploring some of these concepts can be read in Kirsten's best-selling book, Our Turn, that addresses a lot of this from the female leadership perspective. I highly recommend that you go pick up a copy because it's both insightful and easy to read. The best kind of self-help book, right guys? My hope with this episode is that it will open your mind to think about your own relationship with leadership and authentic storytelling to further deepen your relationships down and across your ecosystem. If you found this episode to be valuable, I'm so glad. I ask that you subscribe to this podcast on the Apple, Android, and Spotify platforms. Search The Transform Your Confidence Show on our YouTube channel at the Open Chess Confidence Academy. And if you're an avid reader, we've also transcribed every podcast into a blog, which you can access at com forward slash media forward slash hour dash Media, And please share with your networks so that they can also garner insights that I bring into each carefully curated show. And I invite you to join me in my private Facebook group at the Transform Your Confidence, where I share knowledge and resources about mindset, media, communications, branding, marketing, leadership and advocacy for busy executives and entrepreneurs like you who are seeking to elevate the quality of their life. I pop in the group regularly to answer questions that members may have on any of these topics. So hop on over. It's free and insightful and full of great networking opportunities with people from around the world who, like you, are seeking to grow, level up, and accomplish the next big thing in their lives. As always, thanks for tuning in, guys. And until next episode, take care of yourself. Thank you so much for staying till the end. I really hope you enjoyed the show. Before you leave, I would love for your support by subscribing to my show and letting everyone you know know about it and have them come take a listen. I would sincerely appreciate you joining me at LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Search Raj Gurn and the Open Chess Confidence Academy. Until next week, I hope you continue to cultivate your own ecosystem so that everyone in and around it is empowered by your mission to elevate them all. See you next week.